The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the son of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It's Let's go ahead and pray. Ah, yes, Jesus, um, we just thank you so much for what you've been doing in this church, God, uh, what we've seen last Sunday. God, we thank you for your word and what you've left us, God, these stories that we can just um, take and, and just learn of your character and your love, God. Um, so just today, I ask that you would just fill this place Um, that you would clear our minds and that we would um, just lay all our burdens before you, God. Um, So yeah, Father, just speak through Pastor Randall and uh, just bless us this morning. So we praise uh, this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brandon. All right, good morning. Okay, if this is your first time to Grace City, welcome. Um, If it's your second time, welcome. Glad you're here this morning. And uh, just another exciting thing that happened last week as we're celebrating Easter is there were 50 backpacks that were given and distributed uh, to Burmese refugees here in our city uh, because of the gifts that you've given and our outreach team. And so let's just praise God for that. There, Yeah, that's awesome. There are some very, very thankful um, people. And, and so Pastor Silas, who ministers to the Burmese refugees, uh, just sends his love and thanks to everyone here. And uh, also, I, I just personally invite you to come out today. If, this is, if you're new, if you're learning about Grace City, you've never been to uh, one of our socials, I invite you to come out, learn more about the heart behind what Grace City is. I uh, would love to, to have you there today. Okay, and so we are in a new series right now, and I'm very excited about this series. It's a two-week series called Loving Your Neighbor in a Digital World. And um, I think right now this is going to be a very practical uh, message for us because uh, technology is everywhere, and it's right there in our life. And so how do we uh, interact with technology and, and apply that to our relationships um, so here's our heart. Uh, we, we want to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. That's why we do messages like this. That's why we do the family talk. And so I'm telling you, come May 7th in the morning, 915, it, it will be worth it to come out that morning. Amanda's going to be teaching and it's going to be just a great time to, to really process what we're going to be talking about these next two weeks. So I want to put that out there as well. Here's the reality. Our world has changed. 
but our needs haven't. World's changed, technology's changed, all these things are changing, new iPhone, new iPads, all that stuff, but our needs haven't. See, we need relationships like our ancestors had. And so that's why it's important when we open up the Bible, when we look back and we look at relationships like David and Jonathan, it's very helpful to us in a modern world. Um, and so there's research going on about this, about relationships. And there was one uh, research article that came out by the Harvard Business Review. And, and here's what they identified. This is something that's, that's really, really out there, really crazy. It said that face-to-face -face interactions are 34% or 34 times more successful than email. They just found this out. <laughs> Crazy. You sitting down with somebody, human interaction face-to-face -face with someone is 34 times more successful than an email. Guys, we need, we need this. If that's the kind of research we're doing and we're finding that out. Somebody spend money on that, you know? All right. So our text is 1 Samuel 17, uh, 55 through 18, 5. And here's the message. Deep relationships in a digital world. Deep relationships in a digital, digital world. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at the life of David and his friendship with Jonathan. And uh, today's text starts with this critical moment in David's life. Uh, he is thrust into the spotlight now. He had just killed Goliath, the giant that really stood in front of uh, so much that his nation was, was, was standing against the, the, the violence. Everything, like, was standing in front of them, right? Like, everything was going to be over if no one takes out Goliath and, and David does it on God's strength. And so King Saul sees this, and he says, I, I want him to come live with me. So David goes, and, and he goes away from everything that he knows, he goes away from his family to, to live with Saul. And if you know much about the, the life of David, Saul wasn't his buddy. He's actually going to be very violent towards David. And uh, David is on the cusp of this success. See, because what we see in that, that last verse, in verse 5, it says that he went out and, and he was successful wherever Saul sent him. Uh, this was a critical moment for David. Everything was changing for him. And what he needed more than anything was a true friend. He, he needed a real friend. Right? There were a lot of relationships that were going to come into his life. There were a lot of people that would be tugging on him saying, this is what I need from you. But what he needed more than anything in this moment was a, a true friend. Someone that would love him, no strings attached. No strings attached. You see, what we find out from the Bible is that all of us need friends like that. All of us need friends that will love us like that. See, because at the beginning of the Bible, God speaks about our need for this type of relationship. When he says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that man should be alone. I want you to think about this for a minute. So God creates and he says this is good 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 and then he creates man and man 
Adam is alone. And God looks at that and says, it is not good for him to be alone. He had the full relationship with God. Yet God created him in a way where he needed more than just God. He needed deep friendship. He needed relationship. That's how God made him to be. See, so God created us not to just be in relationship with him, but in relationship with others. So we need deep relationships. We, we need someone who will understand. See, because here's the truth. This is what this scripture tells us. We will not make it through the difficulties of life without deep friendships. Deep, close, loving relationships. See, as our world changes, deep relationships more and more are becoming, really, sadly, a thing that we push to the side and we say that's in the past. What does it look like now to have deep relationships? See, in our current uh, social media, Instagram culture, words like friendship have, have been muddied. They've been muddied. See, today it's easier than ever to invite people into our lives through a friend request but also just as easy to cut them out. Things have changed so much that in 2009, a word was added into the Oxford Dictionary because of social networking. The word unfriend. Unfriend. Here's how Oxford defined the word unfriend. To remove someone as a friend on a social networking site such as Facebook. We've made it so easy to invite people in and cut them out. And if we really don't want to hear from them, we'll just turn off their news feed. Right? Like, I don't want to... <laughs> See, we've taken this idea and it's, it's applied to all aspects of our life. We need deep friends. Friendships. In 2016, uh, Kate Murphy wrote an article called, Do Your Friends Actually Like You? Here's what she says. She says, think of all the people with whom you interact during the course of a day, week, month, and year. Many souls with whom you might exchange a greeting or give a warm embrace, engage in chit-chat, or have a deep conversation. All those who, by some accident of fate, inhabit your world. And then ask yourself, who among them are your friends, your true friends? Recent research indicates that only about half of perceived friendships are mutual. That is, someone you think is your friend might not be so keen on you, or vice versa, as when someone you feel you hardly know claims you as a bestie. <laughs> True relationships and friendships have been cheapened in our digital age, have they not? To the point where we're confused who our real friends are. And the water has been muddied. And so how do we learn God's definition for relationships and friendships? Um, so our text uh, today is the first Samuel 17, 55 through 18:5. And about this particular text, Eugene Peterson uh, commentates and, and writes and says this: Jonathan's covenant friendship with David brackets Saul's repeated attempts to kill David. Jonathan lives out his covenantal friendship in hard circumstances. 
Many a covenantal friendship is lived out similarly in Saul's court. In marital, family, work, and cultural conditions that are hostile to avowed intimacy. What he's saying here is, if you want deep friendships, if you want real relationships, you have to know that they will be tested through difficult circumstances. As difficult as, let's say, Saul's court, which in Saul's court, Saul is using David as target practice with his spears. That's where friendship is forged. And so here's what it is summed up. David would have never survived without Jonathan's friendship. He would have never survived in that environment without Jonathan. And so what are the foundations for healthy relationships that will help bracket our lives, protect our lives? I'll give you all three up front and we'll go through it through this, this text. And so first one is committed love. Second is deep transparency. And the third is selfless sacrifice. Committed love, deep transparency, selfless sacrifice. So the first one, committed love. Look at verse three. Uh, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And so, as you step back, one of the words that's used here is this word covenant. He made this commitment, this vow, that I will, I will love David. Uh, you ever seen the movie My Girl? It came out in 1991. And I remember when it came out, I was just a little kid. And there are very few scenes that I remember from movies when I was a kid, but this was one of the, the, the scenes that I remember very vividly, even as a child. Um, and there's a scene where, at the time, you know, Macaulay Culkin was like everywhere. It's like the man, you know, Macaulay Culkin. So he's in this movie, and I'm like, I got to watch this. It's a kid. Um, but he's this dorky friend he really doesn't have many friends, but he's friends with this girl who's more of a tomboy. And uh, she doesn't have very many friends either because people say, well, she's kind of a freak. Her parents are really, you know, weird or, and all that stuff. And so um, they were sitting one day just talking and they're, they're best friends. And she's like, you ever heard of Blood Brothers? And he's like, no, what is that? And she's like, you know, it's, it's when you, you know, kind of prick your finger and you mix your blood together. And your friends for life. It's this bond that you make with one another, this covenant that you make with one another that says, I'll be there through thick and thin. And that sticks with us, right? You think that the, you want friendships like that, like where there's this covenant, where there's this sacrifice where you say, okay, blood is thicker than water. And when Jonathan looked at David, he says, that's the kind of friend I'll be for him. See, these types of relationships are rare. They're extremely rare in modern society. There has been a major shift in relationships over the past 50 years. And we, we have to know this. There has been. And uh, in 2010, the New York Times talks about this. They did an article called uh, Friendship in an Age of Economics. 
and there's a Clemson University professor named Todd May, and he describes uh, friendship in economic terms. And here's what he says. He says, as consumeristic and entrepreneurial, those are the ways that he divides it up. Consumeristic is this. Uh, you're a friend with somebody if they satisfy your own emotional needs or physical desire. So that's a consumeristic one. An entrepreneurial one is friendship that uh, invests in the relationship to derive a future external benefit. So maybe I'll get something out of this friendship. Now, this was only applied in the business world, but has seeped into all relationships in our lives. It's applied everywhere. And this is just, this is really a new mindset and concept. See, this is relationships with strings attached. This isn't a covenant friendship relationship that says I'll be there whenever, however, whatever you need. See, what we see in the life of David and Jonathan, it's, it's, it's completely opposite of this. This is a relationship ordained by God. And here's the crazy part. Jonathan's natural disposition should have been jealousy and competitiveness. He should have looked at David and said, oh, my dad's looking to him now? He's bringing him into our house? Why, dad, why are you putting him in this position? It should have been one of, of I don't like that guy. See, because what was David going to do eventually? Eventually, he was going to take everything that Jonathan had. And in human terms, in the flesh, Jonathan should have looked at this and said, he's going to take what I deserve. He's going to take it all. I deserve that. Instead, Jonathan made a covenant to love David with no strings attached. This is radical. This is a, a relationship with no agenda. It's, it's much like Jesus in John 13, 1, when he says, as, as Jesus was preparing for his death, he said, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This covenantal friendship that says, I will do anything for you. I will be there for you. I will even die for you. See, Jesus loved with no agenda. Because all those people that Jesus sat with when that verse was stated were going to betray him. They were going to walk away from him. But in that, Jesus says he loved them to the end. The end of who they are, even in their messy moments, he's going to love them through to the end. Jonathan loves David for David. This is purely about the relationship, not what David could do for Jonathan. This is not natural. It's supernatural. It's a work of God. It's a relationship that only God could forge between two people. And so the second point is this. Look, look at verse 1. This is a deep transparency. A deep transparency. Th th this should really just fly off the page for us. It says, The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved him 
not on a surface level relationship, but it impacted him deep, deep to his soul. This is a transparent friendship. This is an unguarded friendship. It's a relationship where you can say anything and still be loved. You don't have to worry about being judged or dismissed. You don't have to worry about being offended or offending the other person. It's a relationship where you aren't wondering if that person is still going to love and accept you. Eugene Peterson says it like this, this David-Jonathan sort of friendship is love that sets the other free to be himself or herself. Healthy friendships do not restrict our lives. They expand our lives. C.S. Lewis talked about his friendship in The, the Four Loves with uh, his friend Charles Williams. And they had this little writing club. It's called The Inklings. It was him... Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings and uh, Charles Williams. And, and Williams passed away suddenly. Um, and as Lewis was, was grieving the loss of his friend, he says, you know, each, in each of my friends, there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald... Tolkien reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now is that Charles is, uh, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. See what, what, what this deep transparent relationship does is it pulls the best out of your friends. Pulls the best out of someone. And it loves them through the thick and thin. And so it's, it's this deep transparency that happens. So we need deep, transparent relationships to bring the best out of us, to pull it out. Because let's be honest, haven't you been in friendships and relationships before that you thought were like this and they weren't? And so we put up these guards and these shields now because we don't want to trust anymore, right? But when Jonathan looked at David, he says, my soul is knit to the, that guy. And it doesn't make sense. And so the third point is this, selfless sacrifice. Selfless sacrifice. So verse Verse four, look at this. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. This is a self-giving love to David. See, it wasn't just that Jonathan talked about it felt it, but he showed it. He showed how much he loved David. He did something tangible that David could say, yeah, he's, he's a real friend. He's a true friend. 
Because what Jonathan was doing in this moment was he was making himself vulnerable. Think about this. He, he takes his robe. He takes his armor, his protection. He takes his sword, his bow, his belt. He lays everything down that said, this is, this is what would protect me. He says, I'm making myself completely vulnerable in front of you. He lays down everything and says, I will be your friend even if it costs me something. I will be wounded for you. Do you know that's what real friends do? They're wounded for the other. Don't we all need a friend like that? A friend that would be there and, and say, yeah, I, I, would, I would even be wounded for you. And it hurts. But I'll be there. I, uh, I think back to high school. And there was a friend like that for me. His name's Clarence. And he was just like the craziest guy out there. I mean, I would not suggest that you ever drive with Clarence. I mean, he was just like the worst driver I've ever been in a car with. Um, and, but he was just like that friend that was, was there, thick and thin. And, and I remember one time we were, this is pre-Jesus Randall, but we were walking into a party. And, uh, you know, it was not a good place to be. And I remember uh, I was about to walk into this party and there was this guy that I didn't know at the door and he looked at me and he says, hey, I don't know you. You can't come in here. And uh, I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't know you. And he was like, trying to get physical with me, right? Like, do you, you need to get out of here. And my friend, Clarence, comes up behind me. And he moves me out of the way and gets in this guy's face. Says, you're going to let this guy into the party. He, he's coming in. And uh, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> and he took me into the party and we walked right out because it was lame. <laughs> but, <laughs> I still look at Clarence, who did that for me, put himself out there, and was willing to, to risk himself at my expense, and we still talk today. I mean, I just was praying with him a couple months ago about something that he's going through right now. You see, we all, we all need friends like this that, are, that will have a selfless sacrifice. To say, I'll be there. I'll, I'll push through and, and I'll, I'll take the cost. I'll make myself vulnerable. And so here are some takeaways today. The first one is this. Evaluate your current relationships. This is about being real. And it starts with you, right? Like even preparing this message, I've had to ask myself, like, what kind of friend am I? Am I even a good friend? 
Because in some areas I am, some areas I'm not. But I had to be real and I have to ask the Lord, like, God, teach me to be a friend. See, but it starts with you. You have to evaluate your current relationships and say, okay, th- what kind of friend am I? And you have to ask these questions. Do you use people? Do I, do I have a consumeristic view on relationships and friendships? Are people a, a means to my end? Are they more entrepreneurial? Ronald Sharp, a professor of English at Vassar College said this, people are so eager to maximize efficiency of relationships that they have lost touch with what it means to be a friend. Can we just admit that today? Be honest about that today? Like as we evaluate our current relationships, we have to look in the mirror and say, Lord, where do I need to repent? Because let's be honest, all of us have been caught up into the unfriend type relationship, haven't we? It's so easy to cut people out of our lives. It's so easy not to be there through the thick and thin. So how do we evaluate that personally to become a better friend? The second takeaway is this. Identify signs of real friendship. Identify signs of real friendship. The Bible talks about friendship, and one verse that sticks out is this, Proverbs 27, 6. Here's what it says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What does that mean? That the people who all the time, they tell you, you're the greatest thing ever. You're the best. I've really got no critique of you, you know. You're you're amazing. They might not be your real friends. They might not be. That might come from a genuine place, but the scripture says that an enemy multiplies kisses. You think about Jesus and his relationship with Judas. How did Judas leave him? With a kiss. Right? But it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Do you have friends that tell you the truth? Do you have friends that will put themselves out there and say, hey, this is what I think. You might not like it. We need that. And some of us need to hear this today because we are treating people that are true friends like enemies because they spoke the the truth to us in love. And we're treating them like enemies. We say, "Ah, I'm going to unfriend you. Could it be that today we don't even realize what a real friend looks like? Could it be? And could it be that God's trying to teach us, I've placed some people in your life to be like a Jonathan, but you're treating them like an enemy. The third takeaway is this, lasting relationships take resilience. I want you to think about this. And I would love for you to read up on on this story of, of Jonathan and David, but think about this. Jonathan was friends with David and still a good son to Saul. That's a little crazy. 
Like that, that, that takes this determined resilience, integrity. Because Saul would have manhunts to go kill David. And you know who was probably on those manhunts? Jonathan. Saul would take his son along. And Jonathan is the same one who knit himself to David. He says, I, I want to be his friend through, through it all. Like, there, there has to be this extreme trust between them as he's going out on these hunts. I mean, you, you would have to think that within their relationship, that David would want to know what Saul's doing and talk with Jonathan. How could Saul still be, or how could Jonathan still be a good friend to David while his dad is crazy? Like that just takes like a supernatural God strength integrity, doesn't it? But what we find is that all the way to the end, Jonathan gave his very life. He gave his life for his dad. He dies out on the battlefield with his dad. But they still had this friendship. See, every, and the last one is this, every relationship needs grace. Every relationship needs grace. Um, Blaise Pascal says something pretty insightful it's funny too he says i lay it down as a fact that if all men knew what others say of them there would not be four friends in the world <laughs> if you knew everything that everybody said like there would not be four friends in the world maybe a little cynical you get to that place but you know like we have to Here's the deal. We have to be real about this. We are all sinful people. We all are. There's not one person that's not a sinful person, except for Jesus Christ. But all of us are. And so what breaks up friendships most of the time? Sin, right? Sin does. There's something in there, it just goes haywire and goes sideways and doesn't work. And so I, I would encourage you to do this. And pray. Pray. Let God sort out the stuff in here that's personal. And pray for your friends, even in the difficulties of what they might be going through that you don't know. Because here's the thing. We don't know everything that people are going through. We don't know all that's going on. And many times what we do is we think that we know. And so we have to ask God, give me grace. Help me to pray for my friend. Help me to be a committed friend. And God, have your grace heal this relationship. My wife said this. She says, a healthy working relationship is a sign of God's grace. 
I believe that. It's a sign of God's grace. And so every relationship needs grace. So as we wrap up today, you say, well, I want to be a friend like Jonathan. I want to have a friend like Jonathan. How do I get a friend like Jonathan? How do I do it? It starts with this. You and I can't be a friend like Jonathan, not like this, until you had a friend like this, until you had the ultimate friend. See, what Jonathan did and what he gave That only comes from God. That, that, that's only something that God can do. This is an ability from above. And I want you to know that this is the gospel today. That that type of friendship from above didn't just stay up there. He came down. He came down. He became like us. He showed us what true friendship is. And that's why it says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, the thing that we have that Jonathan did not have in this particular moment is we know that God has done it. He's done it. He gave his life for his friends. He went all the way to the cross. Do you see that ultimately Jesus is the greater Jonathan? See, Jonathan laid down his robe. Jesus was stripped of his robe. Jonathan laid down his armor. Jesus went to war against sin and death with no armor to protect him. Jonathan gave up his sword. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, put down your sword, and a spear was thrust through his side. Like, why did he do all that? For his friends. He said, I, I'm making a covenant with you, blood, blood brothers. Relationship. See, until you've seen the greater friend you have in Jesus, you'll never be able to be the kind of friend that only Jesus can make you into. We need Jesus' friendship to bracket our lives. To just bracket it, right? See the greater friends you have in Jesus. Receive his friendship into your life. And by his grace, he will teach us what it means to have deep relationships and be true friends in the midst of a technological age which can really distort what this looks like. Technology is not bad, but our hearts are. And the only one that can fix it is Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what it truly looks like to, to be a friend. And we can find no greater friend than on Calvary at the cross as you laid down your life for us. 
Lord, we just pray today, teach us. Teach us, Lord. I'm right there in the middle of it. Teach us what it means to be a friend like Christ to others. May we be a church that is loving, gracious to one another, even in the most difficult times. And I pray that that type of commitment and love will just spread in how we relate to people who don't know you. And there will be people who say, how can you be this type of friend? Even when I was so rude to you, how could you still love me and be that type of friend? And our only response is, well, we have a friend in Jesus who loved us like that. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.